One of the most familiar teachings in all the Bible is Jesus' teachings and the Sermon on the Mount. He begins that teaching with what we call the Beatitudes, those attitudes that ought to be, those characteristics that ought to be seen in the lives of Christians. <clears throat> These blessings are the introduction to his Sermon on the Mount. They can be found in Matthew chapter 5 and then again in Luke chapter 6. However, many people think that these are the only Beatitudes in the Bible, and they certainly are not. There are many places within the scriptures where we find Beatitudes or blessings for God's faithful. <clears throat> Today I want us to look at some of those from the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation has within it seven Beatitudes. Now, I don't believe it is a coincidence that there are seven sayings in the book of Revelation uh, that are Beatitudes. In fact, within the, the book of Revelation, the number seven is, number seven is very symbolic. Symbi the number seven carries with it the idea of perfection or the idea of completion. Just as the creation week was seven days long, we find that number used often throughout Scripture, but especially in the book of Revelation. For example, in the book of Revelation, we see the Holy Spirit referred to as the seven spirits before the throne of God. The seven, there are seven letters to the seven churches. There are seven stars, seven seals, a lamb with seven horns and seven eyes. There's a sevenfold witness, or excuse me, there's the sevenfold worthiness of Christ found within the book. There's seven trumpets, seven bowls of wrath, a city set on seven mountains, seven thunders, a beast with seven heads and seven crowns upon those heads. You get the idea, right? The number seven repeatedly is found within the book. And then the word Christ is used seven times throughout the book of Revelation. The phrase, the Lord God Almighty, is found seven times. I don't know how many of these were purposeful and how many of them were coincidence. And there were seven amens recorded in the book of Revelation. Then Jesus announces his coming seven times within the book. There's seven cycles seen throughout the book where judgment, where ju uh, seven scenes that lead to the judgment of God found within the book of Revelation. And so this number seven is used to describe completeness, uh, certainty, and perfectness within the Bible. It is at least possible, if not likely, that the Lord meant to imply by these seven blessings that we are perfectly and completely blessed in Him no matter what this world throws at us. And this thought, I believe, is also backed by another beatitude found in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in Christ, in heavenly places in Christ. And so if you would, for, just a, for the next few moments of our time this afternoon, I want us to look individually at each one of these seven Beatitudes in the book of Revelation and just quickly note, the message that is taught from each one of them. The first one we found in the first chapter, Revelation chapter 1, verse 3. And in this sermon, I decided to include the text itself on the screen behind me. 
Beatitude number one, Revelation chapter one, verse three, reading from the King James Version, reads this way, blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. Of course, this was written to the seven churches in the first century, those located in the region of Asia Minor. They were undergoing a lot of strong persecution from Judaism and also from the nation of Rome, <clears throat> from the empire of Rome. But its message, of course, is timeless for us. The blessing recorded in this particular verse is for those who, please note, not only for those who hear or not only for those who read and as an extension of reading those who hear, but especially to those who keep what is written. And so it's a, it's a blessing for those who keep what is written. A reminder to us that it's not enough to simply hear and, and intellectually acknowledge the word of God, but we must be, as James said, doers of the word and not hearers only. We must resolve to do, to keep, to persevere. <clears throat> Jesus never suggested that he would prevent these seven churches of Asia from their hardships, and friends, he never promised us that he would prevent the hardships that we will likely face in our time on earth. But we must decide if we want to face them with a hope and a promise afterwards or in relation to them, or whether we want to face them without a hope and a reward on the other side. The choice is ours. Life, life is filled with uncertainty. There's many trials and tribulations that we all will face, whether we're Christians or whether we're not. And so simply, the point I simply want to make here is the, this promise is for those who hear and keep. And so we have promises if we endure these things and stay with Christ as we do so. <clears throat> Which will we do? Do we, want to take, do we want to deal with these things in our life with Christ on our side or without? Let's move on to Beatitude number two. And all of these are related in some way that we'll point out in the end. Beatitude number two is one that we're probably very familiar with. <clears throat> and I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. This has got to be one of the most comforting scriptures in all the Bible to me. When when loved ones pass away, faithful members of the Lord's church, it, it is nice to be able to utter this passage to reflect back upon the promise that we have of our dear loved ones who died faithful to the Lord. A similar statement found in the book of Psalms, Psalm 116.15, reads like this, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. A person could read that and get the wrong idea. What do you mean? So death is precious to the Lord? No, it's not the death that's precious to the Lord. What is precious is the fact that the person was a saint when they endured it. They were in Christ, and therefore, death is not the end. There's something that goes on beyond this life. It's a reminder to us that some in the first century churches had already been killed for their faith by the time that this was written. Jesus reminds us that there's a reward waiting for those in the Lord. In other words, for Christians who overcome their trials. In that sense, we might consider death as a blessing to them. Therefore, neither they nor we 
should live as though death were the end. Death is really the beginning when you think about eternity. Then this led Paul to boldly proclaim the following in 1 Corinthians 15, 54 through 57. He said, So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? <clears throat> o grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God which giveth the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 54, or 15, 54 through 57. Facing his own, his own death, undoubtedly keeping this in mind, Paul said, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the righteous judge shall give me at that day, not to me only, but to all them who love his appearing. Of course, it's been said many times that death is an appointment that all, must, all, must, that all men will make. They will all keep that appointment. The question we must answer is, in what state do I want to keep that appointment? Do I want to be have the hope that is in Christ or not. Let's look at verse at beatitude number 3 now. This one's found in Revelation chapter 16, verse number 15. This one reads, "Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame." Jesus says that his coming will be as a thief. Now, thief, we know one thing about thieves. Thieves like to break in when we don't know they're going to be there. They come at a time when we don't know it. No thief that I've ever heard of calls ahead and says, Are y'all going to be home at 7 p.m. this afternoon because I was going to break in your house? No, thieves don't do that. Thieves don't announce they're coming. They come when you least expect it. And that's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is going to come suddenly and without warning. Many people will be shocked to see that the Lord has come. He's going to be like in the days of Noah, according to Matthew 24, 37 through 39. People are going to be living their lives like there's no end in sight. They're going to be marrying one another and eating and drinking and being merry. And then the Lord is going to appear and they will meet their doom. But the blessing, the blessing of this verse here is to the one who's watching. In other words, this person is living their life in a state of preparedness. They realized that the Lord could come at any moment, and so every moment of every day, they're living prepared. And there's a blessing pronounced on that individual. Not only are they prepared, but I guess you could say as part of their preparation, they're also keeping their garments. What's that mean? In other words, they're staying pure. They are not allowing their garments, to use a biblical illustration that's often used, they're not allowing their garments to become spotted by the world. In other words, they're doing exactly what that verse I love so much in Titus chapter 2, verse 10 and 11 says. That, uh, Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord. Not, not, let, me, let me think of that verse. I quoted, started quoting the wrong one. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this world. That's what they're doing. 
And because of living that way, their, their garments are unspotted. They are pure. They are ready when the Lord comes again. <clears throat> James 1.27 says, pure and, pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction, and what? And to keep himself unspotted from the world. And so we must be like the parable that Jesus told of the ten virgins. We must be like those five virgins who, who, bought plenty, who brought plenty of oil and they trimmed their lamps when the bridegroom came and not be like those five foolish virgin, uh, virgins who were unprepared. They got slack in their service and they were not ready when the bridegroom returned. Let's go ahead now and look at Beatitude number four. This one comes from chapter 19, Revelation 19, 9. And he said unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called into the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said unto me, These are the true sayings of God. Jesus spoke two parables within his ministry that are recorded. One of them is called the parable of the wedding feast. It's recorded in Matthew 22, 1 through 14. The other is the parable of the Great Supper, Luke 14, 15 through 24. And in both of these parables, we find the blessings of the relationship between Christ and faithful Christians viewed as a splendid banquet. In each one of these accounts, invitations were sent out far and wide to the recipients. But the recipients, in both cases, they began to make excuses they had other things they want that were on their mind. Other things were more pressing for them. And so they shirked the invitation. <clears throat> the blessing in this verse is for the ones who respond to that invitation. The invitation to the ban banquet, of course, is really just symbolic of the invitation that comes to all men through the gospel. First Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians 2.14. And many... We extend the Lord's invitation after every service. We go out and we, we try to extend the invitation to people with every opportunity we can. But many will make light of the invitation. Many will spurn the invitation of the gospel. Many will give various excuses not unlike the ones we read about in these parables. They will not be permitted to the feast. But others worthy will be called those who will respond. This is those to whom this blessing is offered. Blessing number five, or beatitude number five. It comes from chapter number 20. Chapter 20, verse six. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. The Bible speaks of a first and second birth, a first and second death, and a first and second resurrection. The first and second birth are the physical birth, when one is born into this world. The second birth is when one is born again, as Jesus said, unless a man is born of water and of spirit, he shall not inherit eternal life. John chapter 3, verse 5. There's the, there's the, so that's the first birth and the second birth. Then there's a first and second death. The first death is a physical death. The second death is eternal death. Revelation chapter 20, verses, verse number 14, where death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire, and this is the second death. Finally, the first and second resurrection 
are conversion and resurrection day. One, when one rises from that watery grave to walk in newness of life, there's the first resurrection. And then on judgment day, when the trumps shall sound and the dead and the dead and the living shall all rise, there's your second resurrection. John chapter 5, verse 28 and 29. In, the, in his account of the gospel, the same John who penned these verses spoke of the second resurrection, John 5, 24 through 29. Listen to what John says about the, second re, about the resurrection in this passage. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation but is passed from death into life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they, shall hear, they that hear shall live. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, the hour is coming in which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice. Some shall come forth that have done good into the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil into the resurrection of damnation. Both of these are talking about the second resurrection, the resurrection at the end of time. Although some of them for that, that second resurrection will be into life eternal, and some that resurrection will be unto death eternal. The second resurrection is bodily. All will be raised, though for the wicked, it's certainly not going to be a blessing. Those who take part of the first resurrection, though, that's what this blessing or beatitude's about. Now, what's the first resurrection again? The first resurrection is being born again into Christ, being risen, rising to walk in newness of life. And so this is the blessing. It's a blessing for Christians. If you, were, if you are born again as a Christian, you don't ever have to worry about the second death, right? <clears throat> the second death has no power over such an individual. He, who, who, he who overcomes shall not be hurt of the second death. That's said specifically in Revelation chapter 2, verse 11 to the, to, the, to the church at Smyrna. They shall be priests of God and of Christ. All Christians are going to be priests. 1 Peter 2, 5 and 9. They all shall share in the reign of Christ as they bask in the blessings of his heavenly rule. They are a royal priesthood, 1 Peter 2, 9. They are kings and priests, Revelation 1, 6 and several other passages. So another great blessing for the Christian. Moving on, number 6. Number 6, Revelation 22, verse 7. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Right after a beautiful description of what heaven is going to be like, a reiteration of the first beatitude. If you were to look at the first beatitude in our list and this one, they seem quite similar. And so this is a reiteration of that first beatitude to keep those things in mind, keep them in their behavior, don't forget, don't neglect. Now, some of the Christians to whom this book was addressed needed to repent, and they needed to return. Some of those churches to whom Jesus wrote, he, he told them very pointedly, repent and turn, that, turn from your wickedness, or else, and he gave all manner of threats throughout those messages. 
Others, however, didn't necessarily need to repent, but they needed to continue in their faithfulness in order to maintain the right relationship that they had with God. Both groups then and both groups now need to keep in mind the warnings and promises of this book and keep making the application of the divine truths in their daily lives. And so this, is, this blessing is for those who do. Finally, we come to Beatitude number 7 in the book of Revelation. Revelation 22, verse number 14. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have the right to eat, or the right to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates into the city. This blessing, again, is to Christians, those who will have access to the tree of life, which is eternal life. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 9, we are introduced to that tree of life. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 22 through 24, though, man was separated from that tree because of his sin. In Revelation 22, the paradise that was lost is regained. Man is granted access to that tree of life once again. However, please don't miss the fact that this blessing is limited to those who do his commandments. They will be granted access to the city described in chapter 21 and chapter 22. The city also called New Jerusalem, the eternal kingdom of God in heaven. Some students of the book of Revelation suggest that these seven Beatitudes provide a summary of the book's message. And perhaps to some degree that might be true. You can, if you're familiar with the book of Revelation, if you're very familiar with it, you can certainly look at each one of these seven Beatitudes and you can remember kind of some of the things that are discussed in those chapters before and after. And, and it does kind of serve as, as maybe stepping stones, stepping stones throughout the book. <clears throat> it certainly identifies who those blessed people are in God's sight and the blessings that they shall receive. Those people, uh, if we were to sum up the message of all seven of these Beatitudes, we, learn, we notice that those who are blessed are described by God as those who listen carefully, those who live faithfully, those who wait expectantly, and those who maintain purity. Friends, that's a good, that's, that'd be a good four-point sermon about what the Christian life is right there, isn't it? Listen carefully. Live faithfully. Wait expectantly. Maintain purity. Not all trials, tribulations, and persecutions can be prayed away. That's the terrible, terrible lesson that we th learned throughout this book. I find myself as I read it thinking, God, couldn't you just have done something to prevent these churches from from suffering all the things that they did. Isn't there some way you could have protected them? And I know with all things God is possible, but we just have to remember that we don't have all the answers now. All the things will be revealed up there. Sometimes we must walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But thankfully, we have a God who is willing to go with us on that journey. We have to, we have to go through the wilderness, but <clears throat> the Lord is with us. Or like we, I mentioned Wednesday night when we were talking about the num book of Numbers, like the children of Israel, in our Christian lives, we have to wander in the wilderness. But we don't have to die in the wilderness like they did. If we live faithful to God, we can faithfully make it through that wilderness. 
We can overcome the same way Christ and his apostles did. Revelation chapter 12 verse 11 tells us, And they overcome him, that is the devil, they overcome him, how? By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And because they loved not their lives unto death. In other words, they, were, they did not let death stop them. Death was just another step along the journey. They weren't afraid of death. They faced death and they conquered it. They overcame. This is a, hopefully a very encouraging lesson for you. It's an encouraging one for me. One that when we walk through the valleys of the, the difficult, the valleys of life, the difficult times, just remember that the, these twelve, these excuse me, these seven beatitudes in the book of Revelation. Go back and read them and think about all the things said that we brought out this afternoon. We want to close again with the invitation of Jesus Christ. If you're here and you're not a child of God, you're not a Christian, if your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, the Bible tells us clearly what we must do to have that happen. We must hear the gospel preached. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to all those that believe, to the Jew first also and to the Greek. Romans chapter 1 verse 17. That, that is his power. So uh, obviously there's power in this book. We need to hear it. We need to study it. We need to understand it. We need to apply it to our lives. And in doing so, we learn that Jesus is the only way he is, the, he is the way, the truth, and the life. No, that no man comes to the Father but by Him. There is no other name given among men under heaven by which we can be saved. Acts chapter 4 verse 12. He is the only way. We have to believe in Him. If you believe in, if Jesus said, if you believe not that I am He, you will die in your sins. John chapter 8 verse number 24. After believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, we must repent of our sins. Repent, I, I tell you nay, unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Luke 13.3 and also 13.5. In the times of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. That includes every one of us. <clears throat> Acts chapter 17, verse 30. And then 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Times, uh, <clears throat> uh -oh. I'm, I'm quoting too many scriptures here. It was, bound, it was bound to happen. Eventually, I was going to have to open it up here. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. I know these verses, by the way. I really do. But something about you, when you look at me, you make me forget. <clears throat> and the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but his long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repent. See, I knew it. I told you I did. We must repent of our sins. We must be baptized, have our sins walked away, washed away. I tell you, nay, unless you repent, there we go. I'm just going to stop right there. Let me just tell you. Baptism is important, okay? We all have to be baptized. Baptism is the process, is the point at which our sins are washed away. Acts chapter 22, verse 16. Acts chapter 2, verse number 38. Baptism is, the, is, the, is symbolic of being death, is dying, of dying with our Lord, being buried with our Lord, and being risen again to walk in newness of life. Romans chapter 6. Verse 3 and 4. After we've done these things, heaven can be our home if we would just continue to walk faithfully with our Lord. Again, that's the type of people that all of these blessings that we read this afternoon were written towards. People who had not only taken the Lord in baptism, those who had not only obeyed the gospel, but they were living faithfully day by day, walking according to his rule. If you will live that life, Heaven can be your home. We want to encourage you to come if you have a need. Won't you come now as we stand and sing?